0: What on earth is that?
1: It's the Journey Into Comics Network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey Into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. J.I. Duck! J.I. Duck!
0: J.I. Duck! Miedo! Because the Warhawks will fight!
1: Until he brings his last breath! I got the whole damn world in my hands! Your arms are just too short to box with God! You just made the list! But the man is
0: back! Daddy's home! Ricky ain't about just taking titles, I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before! I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside, I am Napalm Death! WELCOME
1: TO Better
0: Enterprise. No fame, no company, no entity, all pro wrestling, we are... No more questions,
1: about that damn hell. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Wrestling. It's Journey Into Wrestling Season 4, Episode 25. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me yet again... You guys know him. You love him. He is the powerhouse of this podcast. Let's be for real. Welcome back once again, the man, the myth, the legend. Buckles, how are you? I I am doing well, my dude. Uh,
0: it has been a busy, busy, busy couple of weeks in the wrestling world, and I have been I've been waiting since our last show to bust out some stuff that we need to get to today.
1: Definitely, I'm excited. There's so many headlines, so many crazy things. You know, I don't know if uh, this falls into your plan. So, you know, if if I'm immediately trying to steer the show off course, <laughs> no, you're all right. Bitch slap me and say, no, not yet, bro. We're not going there, but. Um, in the past, well, we can change in the real world outside of professional wrestling. I have witnessed and, and, and the world has witnessed tragedy and all kinds of crazy shit that's happened mm-hmm. that made me firmly believe that I had no hope left on this planet. I know that's a very dark, morose like kind of way to start this show. Yeah. However... There's one thing that I was like, literally sitting back going, I can't believe I'm witnessing this in real life, and I'm jazzed, and I feel like idiots are not jazzed, and they're fucking stupid. And that is because Roman Reigns is a heel, and I am so
0: (laughs) salivatingly over for it. I've been saying
1: for before, before The Shield broke up the first time, that he needed to be the breakout Mm -hmm. heel star.
0: That's honestly, and, yeah, that's the probably the biggest single headline out of the, all of it for the last couple of weeks is the Roman Reigns heel turn, uh, which we're going to get to in depth here before at, by the time we're all finished up here. Um, but I got to say, I don't have many moments, especially in WWE specifically anymore, that make me out and out like... And the very clever reveal of Paul Heyman... I actually left my seat like I oh shit! You like, sent it to me immediately. Dead. I'm pretty yeah. sure
1: you said something to me like you tweeted like, D- "Fucking Roman's a Paul Heyman guy like yeah. motherfucker." Yeah, that's uh
0: that's when they get something right at WWE. They really get it right. It's just a, a question of how often that actually happens. But in and this you case, know what? You said yeah. something
1: Ooh. in them getting it right, and in getting the getting it right because listen. We're not we have so much to talk about today. You obviously had SummerSlam, which we were gearing up for last episode. We've we witnessed that. But we also had another pay per view since then too. We've crazily had, enough. Yeah. Pay per view. I used the quotations when I did that, but people can't see me. I'm a fucking dunce.
0: <laughs> all told, man, in the last since our last show, <clears throat> which is right yeah. at two weeks since we aired on a Wednesday last time. Two weeks. I have watched more wrestling in the last two weeks. Than I have in a very long time, and for me, probably that's five or six
1: something. months,
0: bro. Oh, longer than that, like I spent more time watching professional wrestling in the last two weeks than I have in a very long time, and for me, that's saying something. Because I have no life, and this is one of my hobbies. So
1: <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, you know, yeah, just to quickly, just to sh- not really shift gears, but just uh, excitingly thinking about something that might not even be on your list of things that are a headline. But if I'm just going to give a quick allusion, do you have any new Japan news that's on there by chance? I do actually. I have one oh. new Japan headline. Okay, well, whenever you're ready to get to it, but let's let's listen, guys. I want to tell you guys keep it above board. Today, I told Buckles he's taking the reins, and for some really strange reason, my brain is at a mi- million miles a second. So this is me literally hot tagging him in in the first <laughs> like 30 seconds of this fucking show and saying take over brother because i don't want to run this train off track
0: yeah um so did wait did you have a new japan headline or you want to wait for me to get to it
1: oh i was just gonna let you get to it organically like your plan i I don't want to i don't want to kick it off there's really only one major headline coming out of new japan i'm pretty sure we're both going to be talking about the same fucking thing but
0: it's actually the last headline (laughs) i wrote down um So let me ask you this real quick. Uh, Let's go. I want to go through a couple things before we get to the headlines and the the major stuff, which is really recapping the two pay-per-views we've seen, or three pay-per-views, technically. Um, And then previewing all out, which is this coming Saturday. So we have three pay-per-views to go over and then another one coming up. And uh, the headlines and everything leading up to and leading out of those. Uh, But before I get to that, I, I wanted to touch on the fact, like I said, I've watched more wrestling in the last, you know, two weeks and I haven't a long time. Um, I alluded to it on our last show that the stars kind of aligned uh, SummerSlam weekend uh, in terms of availability of different cards. And and all told, there were seven major cards that I was able to watch over that span of about 48 hours. Um, there That's were incredible. two uh, on the uh, independent wrestling app, two uh, black label pro shows, nice doubleheader, there was a GCW show and beyond all four on the independent uh, TV app. And we had Saturday night dynamite and we had takeover and we had Summerslam. and me being the absolute mad lad that I am. And the masochist I am, I thought, fuck it. I'm not doing anything else this weekend. I am just going to sit here and watch wrestling and honestly
1: had a blast doing it. Um, I didn't watch to, everything that you watched, but I did watch a lot of wrestling as yeah. well. I can well, I mean, confirm that even I if, was even if you just stick to as the much in stuff. as I could.
0: Like even if you just stick to the major stuff, that's three cards. That's you know, SummerSlam, Saturday Night Dynamite and Takeover all told is like something like four or five hours minimum. Probably actually closer to six. You you gotta think two for uh two for dynamite at the very least. I want to say takeovers closer to two and a half, maybe three, and SummerSlam I believe clocked in at three. I want to say three or four. So I mean, SummerSlam was surprisingly a, short, actually. That's been kind of one of the uh, one of the welcome things of the, uh, I guess, the COVID era is they've kind of pared back a little bit on their their pay per views, which has been nice. Um, even thinking back to WrestleMania, they had two shorter cards, two nights in a row. Um, but the cool thing about getting to watch all this stuff is I got to take in a real wide variety of different types of wrestling. And that really, after taking it all in and, you know, digesting it and talking to a couple people, you know, random people on Twitter and online, on Facebook, whatever, I had some things I, that I had been thinking about with it. And I wanted to go over with you specifically just to get your thoughts and everything on.
1: Sure, please. I would love to talk about controversy or any kind of. Um... Hot topics, trending topics. Let's do it. So, and and just to kind of get a little
0: ahead of myself, I also have a top 10 for this week. And a lot of it's going to be filled out from these cards. And you'll see on that top 10 that one of the things that I got to see this week was a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of really good intergender matches. And I say surprising because you don't see them all that often or you don't think about them all that often because really the main cards the WWEs of the world the AEW's of the world don't run them. The only time AEW's run one at all was uh on the Jericho Cruise a one off on Dark and then uh when WWE does it it's a kind of a special promotion thing where somebody Nia Jax has gotten into the Royal Rumble or something like that. Very rarely is it something taken seriously. Uh or it's a uh, Becky Lynch is fighting uh Oh, whatever the hell the dude was that had no chin. I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Uh, No chin? Yeah, they used to run around with uh, Ambrose and run around with Daniel Bryan. What the hell was his name? No chin music. Uh, Ended up getting popped for being pervy to little girls. Yeah, he was a weird dude.
1: Oh, uh, James Ellsworth. What's that? James Ellsworth? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You had to just say the pervy guy. I was like, oh, yeah, James Ellsworth. That's sad. That's Someone who sad actually had a title shot for the NWA championship, yeah. if you can believe it. Sad
0: to sad to say, that's what you remember him for. Uh, anyway, but they usually when you see it in WWE, it's Becky Lynch fighting him, which is played off as a comedy match. But then you get into some of these indie promotions and really beyond, and uh, and Black Label Pro have kind of built a bit of a reputation on. Having intergender matches that are not treated as anything special outside of the card—it's just another match on their card—and because of that, I got to see a few different kind of takes on it. Like, and really, it was three big matches that I saw: one being Kylie Ray and Blake Christian on Black Label Pro; one being uh, Kimberly and Joey Janella; and uh, one being Chris Dickinson and uh, Priscilla Kelly both on beyond and each presented in their own different way, uh, being either a straight up, you know, match that didn't really have any build to it. One being (coughs) a a title match, uh, different storylines playing out through them, but all three being very good matches and point of fact, some of the best wrestling I saw all weekend and really got to not just enjoy them, take them in as they were happening, but got to think afterwards, like, man, that was actually some of the best I've seen at all. Something that really stuck yeah. with you, and, and it it kind of stuck with me a little bit because you know after a couple of the matches <laughs> like Blake Christian cut a promo putting over Kylie Ray and uh, Dickinson put over Priscilla Kelly after their match as well. But the the thing that kind of like set it home to me was later on that weekend I watched SummerSlam. And if you remember from the SummerSlam card, you had the uh, Mandy Rose-Sonya DeVille match. And unfortunately, there was a bit of a botch during that match where Mandy couldn't quite get the table set up or table flipped over or something like that. Just unfortunate. It uh, happens to everybody. But I'm jumping on Facebook after we're just getting some reactions and things. And I see like these comments mm-hmm. from people that, you know, laughing that the woman couldn't get the table up. Or that you know this is why I can't take intergender wrestling seriously because the woman couldn't even get the table over. how am I supposed to believe she can wrestle and I'm thinking are you are you stupid are how how full of shit are you like it 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 really pissed me off actually to see that A, somebody's taking a botch and equating that with equality for one it's just on its face stupid <clears throat> but why is there, in your mind, why is there such a stigma against intergender wrestling or women wrestling men?
1: I think it's because there's it's something that mainstream wrestling can't take seriously, and I know that sounds silly in a I way, mean, because clearly, you know you said it best. Right. a lot of companies use it as a gimmick and whatnot. So my um, question my question being, why can't they take it seriously? Okay, well, we're, I'm going to digest it and yeah, dissect it with you. I, really, I, really, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. There's there's really quite a few little things that I think that are um, <clears throat> accumulative to why we have not had until the really what we're going to call the indie revolution because I really think the indies are bringing, you know, we talk about your AEWs, your mm-hmm. NWAs, but if it wasn't for the indies feeding into those guys, it wouldn't be the same, but like... Right. Before 2020 in the 21st century and the really the more modern movement and um, <clears throat> equality for all, a women, a woman versus a man match immediately gets what stigma? A man beating a woman. Right. Beating up a woman. Hurting right. a woman. Helpless woman. Defenseless right. woman. Victim. All these things that were perpetuated in society. And yes, I understand domestic violence is a very fucking serious thing. There's mm-hmm. zero to joke about it. But and when, that also, and when it's it being something like that, not yeah. to joke about, becomes a well, can you put on a wrestling card, have a dude fight a lady, and it be a serious knockdown, drag out fight? Mm-hmm. And unless the woman is properly sized or has the right build, more times than not, we've seemingly been given the quote unquote answer of no, right. because it's always gimmicked. That's, but then, and like that's, I said. That's you kind like of the, the same dandy. thing I landed on Go myself. Ahead. Yeah, it's it's
0: we've been cultured, mm-hmm. not just, and it's weird because we've been conditioned as a culture, uh, as a wrestling culture, as viewers, to believe that a woman shouldn't be able to take on a man, even even when women are presented as dominant in their own their own divisions, that there's an an inherent disadvantage to it. We're supposed to believe that, and we've always been presented with that. Because anytime you got women in a ring with a guy, they were immediately treated as a disadvantage. Like they played up the fact that, oh man, he's he's just gonna he's just gonna throw her around. Even if the only way a woman had a chance was if they were somebody like Nia Jax, or they were somebody like China, or Beth Phoenix, even somebody that was see, comparable in size. And that, that's the thing that I don't that it kind of clicked to me that why should that be? Why should we only appreciate that when we see that comparable size type? Because you see guys like Daniel Bryan taking on a Brock Lesnar and you don't think twice about it.
1: I was just getting ready to say that, actually. If you can can
0: suspend your disbelief to say that a Ricochet can fight a Baron Corbin or to see that uh, somebody like Ali could fight uh, Matt Riddle, if you can suspend your disbelief that way... Then why shouldn't you be able to suspend your disbelief to say somebody like <clears throat> Oscar couldn't take on,
1: you know, Corbin, or to well, say and, that? And see, it's all in presentation. Yeah. Okay. It really and, is. And you you couldn't have you you said Oscar and Corbin. Mm-hmm. That's a great that's a great example because stylistically he's a slow brute tank. Not to say he's slow, but he he's mm-hmm. not the fastest guy in the ring. And he's got some really solid moves, but she's a technician in the ring. So right. it's two different stylistic matchups. It, would, it, it could be a very amazing, intricate match if given the time and the opportunity to really tell the story that could be told. Uh, the thing is, is that, like I said, you look at the corporate America and, hey, well, um, we have to technically answer to our corporate or- overlords and, yeah, we were going to put Becky Lynch in a match against Lesnar... Uh, you know, building the the feud for her, uh, for him and Seth. Right. Uh, you know, but they called down and said we couldn't do that because it would look like you know a vicious beating and and well, and, and uh, not believable. The
0: example you gave, it's because that's all Lesnar
1: does is he beats people. That's all he does anyway. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. But, however, you said it best, and this is where I'm gonna t- I'm gonna turn people on their own head here. This is my favorite thing to do when it comes to wrestling logic. Because you were talking about like, oh, you're Daniel Bryan's, you know, that's believable and shit. I'm going to take you even further back and tell you that there are marks that are listening all over the globe, all kinds of podcasts, maybe not our show, maybe our show, doesn't matter, I digress. Mm -hmm. You cannot tell me they didn't mark the fuck out when Rey Mysterio Jr. in WCW was the giant killer. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it was fucking amazing. Absolutely. So if the story is good. If the content of what you're trying to sell the people is solid, you could sell them shit on a stick, man, if yeah. the shit makes sense.
0: Like I said, I got to watch those three specific matches I wanted and the the neat thing about it to me was that every one of those three matches was differently, was different stylistically. And each one of them had their own story to tell and all three of them ended up being very good because of it. Like, the, the Kylie Ray match uh, versus Blake Christian was for a title, was a main event, and had uh, kind of an interwoven storyline of the two of them were fairly evenly matched, but Christian didn't want to actually throw any strikes, didn't want to throw punches because he didn't, like, he would start to, and then he would kind of pull off. Because it, it's hitting a girl. Mm-hmm, and it pissed Kylie off to the point where she was screaming at him, hit me hit me, hit me, and then she went out and went, like, super intense. Which, you've seen Kylie Ray matches. When was the last time you saw her screaming at someone? Not often, not ever. She was off the charts. The most intense I've ever seen her. I've seen her live, I've seen her on TV. Hands down, the best match I've ever seen her in. And predominantly because of the story involved in it. Um, And then you get to Priscilla Kelly. You know who Priscilla Kelly is.
1: Former girlfriend of Darby Allen. Yeah, she former, was she's uh,
0: ex-wife actually
1: now, They're and divorcing. she's still an AEW employee. I do believe
0: technically, I think, but she's she's not a big gal. Like she's she's taller, but she's not very thick. She's fairly, uh, I guess, thin or uh, I guess willowy or kind of lanky might be the right way. She's not built very heavily. Um, and she's fighting Chris Dickinson, who's built like a goddamn tank. And who is strong style all the way. You know, he, he was supposed to fight Minoru Suzuki at Barnett's Bloodsport this year. That should tell you a little bit about the guy.
1: Yeah, he likes to punch people yeah. and likes to be punched. And that match
0: was <clears throat> violently brutal. Like, he pulled no punches on her. He treated her like he would any other person in the ring. And it looked harsh because she, he outweighed her. And he even mentioned after the match, I have a good 100 pounds on her. But she stood up to everything he did and mm. just gave him back everything she could. And looked That's like what women need like right a now, too, bro. Warrior. Yeah. She came off like a goddamn warrior against him, even though she, I mean, visibly shouldn't have stood a chance against him. And got her ass handed to her. She kicked his ass right back. And, you know, that was a, it was a big show of respect throughout the whole show or the whole match. Um, and then you have Janella and Kimberly, which was presented just straight. There wasn't much story to it. There really wasn't a whole lot of uh, of uh, build. There wasn't any build to it. There wasn't any really story told in the match. It was your kind of typical Janella spot fest, but it was presented completely as equals. There was no gender to it. There were just two people beating the hell out of each other and came off great. And these are, these are all stories and, and matches and things that you don't see in the wwe's of the world because they refuse to do it but because they can't show they can't make you suspend that they can't suspend their own disbelief i can't even say suspend uh they can't make you suspend your own disbelief because they've conditioned you not to and then because they've got fans like that mouth-breathing idiot that that thinks that because mandy rose can't flip over a table that all women can't wrestle
1: That's so fucking dumb.
0: Oh, I I lost my shit. I honestly did. Um, And just not to put too fine a point on it, but I had tried to engage the guy in conversation and ask, you know, why, you know, do you feel that way or have you seen stuff like this? And wrote out a pretty, uh, uh, what I would consider to be a well-thought argument. And the guy's response was, man, that's really long. I'm not reading all that. (laughs) I just went, well, man, a, a small mind is a terrible thing to waste, isn't it? Jesus man, people suck uh, but uh, yeah, like it, it kind of floored me to see that such a negative response to intergender wrestling just without without even having reason to after seeing such really good stuff over the course of the weekend, and if i would I would challenge anybody that's listening if you have if you have a preconceived notion about how you view intergender wrestling um uh, and Let's face it. Almost everybody has, because we've all been, as wrestling fans, conditioned to seek out some of this stuff. Watch, you know, Kylie Ray matches. Watch Kimberly fighting in Chikara where she was a Grand Champion. You know, watch. uh, See if you can find some of these matches that I'm listing off here, because maybe it'll open your eyes. Maybe it'll change your mind a little bit. You know, go into it thinking this isn't an injured gender match. This is a wrestling match. This isn't a spectacle. This isn't a you know promotional stunt this is just a professional wrestling match between two people and it will hold your attention as well as you might think it might it's it was really impressive to me um it actually kind of leads me into my next point actually again sure. having watched the indie stuff when i watched all that and there's a there's a pretty wide variety of things i got to see over the weekend i got to see a lot of intergender i got to see death matches i got to see you know the latter match on TakeOver. There was the, you know, loser leaves town match on, on SummerSlam, shit like that. There's all kind of a wide variety of things that I got to see. And I, I kind of alluded to you in a chat before we started the show that I'm kind of lo- not necessarily losing interest, but I've been underwhelmed with AEW over the last few weeks. WWE obviously is hard to watch just because they struggle but, I'm I'm kind of learning in, in my own taste, and I've I've always been a proponent of independent wrestling because I think it's fun. But how much more I enjoyed watching the independent cards than I did watching even the takeover. Like how much more I enjoyed that than watching some of the big shows this weekend or that weekend, I should say. Do you think and, that
1: comes from like? <clears throat> You know, Wednesday night, every Wednesday, every Wednesday, Wednesday, you're watching, you're watching, you're watching, you're watching, you're watching. watching. 52 weeks comes and goes. You've watched 52 weeks of of Dynamite. You've also watched 52 weeks Mm -hmm. of Raw, 52 weeks of SmackDown. So when you get into an indie show and you haven't seen these guys on every single week and off every single week and know their backstories and know Mm -hmm. so much about them, you can just enjoy what? The wrestling
0: You you do it's it's the art of
1: creating in the ring. mm -hmm.
0: That's it's really that's the crux of it. That's what I came to as well. Is that there's a significant difference? Not in I'm not going to say in quality because the quality is still there. AEW is still a good show. NXT is still a very good show. Uh, When when Raw and SmackDown are on, they're great too. But there's a fundamental difference in how you, I guess, consume those two different types of mediums. When sure. you watch a weekly show like Raw and SmackDown or AEW now, um, and NXT's kind of running into this issue now, is that you see the same people. Not just that you're watching the same show, but you're starting to see the same people every week. And despite the fact that they may run angles, they may run you know, different pairings here and there, you still see a lot of the same matches. I'm not going to say that, like, to use the Young Bucks as an example, I'm not going to say, seen one Young Bucks match, you've seen them all. I'm not going to say that, because they are very good at what they do, and they do put on great matches. But when you watch them on TV week to week, they kind of just get their shit in and go. And that goes for everybody, whether, you know, no matter what promotion you're on.
1: Well, because you you can't give away the whole fucking cow or nobody's going to buy the
0: milk, man. Well, not even that. It's, It's that they, all their matches get to be just, greatest hits. You know, if yep. you watch a Seth Rollins match, you're going to see a Falcon Arrow. You're going to see a sling blade. You're going to see probably the superplex the into the it, superplex uh, into the Falcon Arrow. You're going to see a buckle bomb, maybe. If he gets to hit his finisher, you're going to see a stomp. Every time. You know, if you watch a Finn Balor match, you're going to see a 1916. You're going to see a sling blade. You're going to see a Pele kick. You're going to see a coup de grace. And, you know, the structure of the match may be different. The people they do it with may be different. But you're going to see the same thing week to week. Uh, NXT for a long time got away from it because they had such a rotating cast of characters. And you, you and I have talked about it on the show before. They didn't always have everybody on every week. But now they're getting to that problem. And AEW starting to have that similar problem as well. Like, it's, it's really cool to see the Young Bucks and FTR in the same ring. But I've seen them in the same ring seven times now.
1: You know, yeah, I think AEW right. suffers from an interesting issue of, you know, they are still the new brand, the new kid on the right. block. They're trying to build themselves and their stars right. up, and you've had to stagnate so much during mm. coronavirus times.
0: That's and I that's feel like, That is definitely part of it.
1: And I feel like, and, and, and I want you to get your solid opinion on this, the past two weeks of Dynamite shows, at least in my opinion... Have been a lot better because we're getting a little bit of a crowd, a small form of actual outsiders able yes to be at Daly's place, able to, you know, yes uh, no. safely, you know, social distance and whatnot. And it's created a, a little bit of a better energy. And we've seen them finally move forward on storylines, the page turn and all this stuff. Yes and no.
0: I, I, I'm kind of biased about the last few weeks just because I honestly haven't been that engaged in the shows themselves. And that's not, not due to the crowds coming back or not being there. It's just for some reason I've just not been connecting much with in the last couple of weeks. Like the, the feuds they've got going right now just don't really appeal to me that much. Like I don't, I I don't. I, as much as I enjoy watching MJF, I don't think he's ready for a title shot right now, and I I have a hard time buying him against Moxley. Um, I. I, I as much as I love Orange Cassidy, this is to be the third match now that we've seen. in almost as every two weeks or a week and a half we've seen an Orange Cassidy and and Jericho interaction, and it's kind of run its course. Um, I like the idea of having the factions like the this new super team that uh, Eddie Kingston's leading and and you know Team FTW. I like having all of them, but putting them all in one big match is not really appealing to me. I it, having that many heels in one match doesn't really do it for me. Um, as much as I enjoy Thunder Rosa, there's no build between her and Sheeta, and that kind of makes me bummed. So it's just like the last few weeks has just been kind of, in terms of AEWs, not bad. Not bad at all. Like, I can't say they've done anything wrong. It's just not been hitting, resonating with me specifically. Um, real quick before I move on, I did want to, like, I, we talked about the, the the perils of having the weekly shows the comparison to watching indie stuff and why I've, why I've kind of really found that I enjoy the indie stuff a lot more is when not, it's not only that you don't see the same people. You don't. But you have, because there's no angles between shows very often or there's very little angles between shows because they have such a rotating cast of characters, so often you get matches that are self-contained. You get a card where, honestly, one of, my, one of my favorite matches I saw this week was uh, uh, Benjamin Carter and Anthony Henry. Uh, two guys I've seen Carter once in the last couple of, like months. I've seen Henry a few months back, but no build to it. The match was you know just a match on a card, but it told its own story within the match, and that's something you don't see a lot in, in WWE now. The storytelling just contained in the match only. And I was engaged through all of it. I enjoy the fact that some of them are just there to be wrestling matches to be enjoyed. They're not serving some greater story. They're not, you know, they're not going to have false finishes because there's nothing to go to afterwards. Or there's, <clears throat> you're going to have uh, you're going to have angles that come out of them. What even minor angles you get come out of someone winning and someone losing. You don't have a wait and see what happens next time. And after so much Raw and so much SmackDown and so much week to week to week to week to the next pay-per-view to the next pay-per-view to the next pay-per-view, that's kind of refreshing in a way. And, you know, maybe I I didn't know I needed a, uh, you know, an Elena Black versus uh, um, Jimmy Lloyd death match in my life. But hell, that was fun.
1: You're like, give me more yeah. of
0: that. You know, that just, it's, it's, it's pro wrestling in its most condensed. And I'm not going to say its purest form, but it's most uh, free. They're free to do what they want. They're free to act how they like. The gimmicks are, you know, homegrown. Um, the matches are self-contained stories that develop organically. They may not be as good as the people you're seeing on, you know, the mainstream shows. You know, you're not going to see very many tag teams on the indies that are as good as the Young Bucks or FTR. Or you may not see many women's wrestlers right now that can go toe to toe with Oscar or Charlotte Flair. But goddamn, sometimes they're a hell of a lot more satisfying to watch. And I, I kind of enjoy that simplicity and that that. Uh, I don't even know how to say it. I guess simplicity might be the best way to do it. But it's a real breath of fresh air at times. And I've really been enjoying that a lot. And I'm really happy to see indie wrestling coming back. And I've kind of, the fact that I enjoyed those shows more than I enjoyed, uh, like, Saturday Night Dynamite. They put a loaded card up. But I sure as hell, it wasn't the, the show I remembered from that night. You know, it's it's a weird thing, man.
1: No, and it's, it's well, every, it, and
0: there's nothing wrong with liking the big shows. There's nothing wrong with liking AEW or the hell. I may question your sanity if you
1: really, really like RAW that much, but there's nothing wrong with it either. I think that if listen, I was going to say something about that. I feel like if given the opportunity, sometimes Raw and SmackDown have chances to hit home runs and they get you, and you're like, oh fuck, I'm hooked right. for a minute. Like they're doing yeah. it. And yeah. then other times they slip and they fall, and then more times than not they're slipping and they're falling. And you said it best in a text, you know, with with going on a SummerSlam and going into Payback. Where I was like, wow, I'm, I was actually into Payback. Like, can't mm-hmm. believe I'm going to be. We're eventually talking about that, but you know, like I was into it. You and liber- you know, you yeah. said it's 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 amazing what they do when they're you know not in their own way. Yeah, you leave they didn't well have an opportunity to, let... to fuck it up because they didn't have time
0: yeah. to fuck it up. Well, that's a that's a uniquely WWE issue, more than anything else. That is, they cannot help but overproduce things and overthink things and over-egg the omelet, so to speak, or over-egg the souffle when they have time to do it. WWE is notorious for it. So, it comes as no shock to me that some of the shows that you hear Vince ripped up and rewrote on the fly tend to be some of their better shows. And something like Payback, where they had you know, a week to build to a whole pay-per-view card and part of it coming from the fallout of, of SummerSlam, but they had a week to build for a pay-per-view card and that ended up being more enjoyable because they didn't have time to fuck it up.
1: Yeah. Cause they were like, well, we have to just get to the next yeah. point, which, you know, can I say something? Sure. Why did they decide to the very next week put on a quote unquote pay-per-view?
0: I, what I've read and what I've heard is that they are just kind of in a period where they're experimenting right now. They're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. They have the, they have the the arena. Well, part of it's that they have the arena in the Thunderdome for the next month or month and a half. So they've got carte blanche to use it without having to tear it down as often as they need to. So what the hell, let's try it. You know, if it doesn't work, we won't do it again.
1: Do we need to talk? I mean, is that is that something we need to touch on? Is what's been going on with the whole? Uh, oh, it's a headline, Thunderdome. Trust me. It's it's a headline <laughs> for sure, for sure. But,
0: uh, but yeah, that's. I just wanted to touch on those two topics specifically because I wanted to get your thoughts on them, and 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 it it was something that I've been kind of sitting on and marinating on for a couple of weeks now. Um, but yeah, jumping into headlines and stuff, I think we could save the save the recaps and the previews for a little bit later on. But we me hit some of the headlines real quick. Sure, um, let's do it. The Thunderdome is definitely one of them.
1: <coughs> Sorry. Okay. Um
0: just as a quick reaction, what are your thoughts on the presentation
1: of the Thunderdome? You know what? I'm going to uh, you and I are going to be kind of the 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 two different arguments here because when I saw the Thunderdome, I was like, "Fuck, this is cool." If I was a wrestler, and we're in this time right now that is the coronavirus time, and this is the safest way to do shows without having people in the crowd at all. I'm for it. However, leave it to America to really make it a not enjoyable. Well, yeah, experience. I,
0: we'll we'll get to that in a second. I just wanted to get your thoughts on just the presentation. Sure. Just from from an outside, just from a just a looking at it perspective. Yeah, I thought and, it looked fucking yeah. gorgeous. I was all about it. I. I was a little unsure of it at first when like the first couple like shots we had of it before the actual SmackDown show aired because it's so busy and so much going on. I was a little concerned, mostly because they're still putting it in the hands of Kevin Dunn. And I think I've made my stance on him pretty clear. Um, and honestly, the fact that they started the show with the fiends entrance that was just seizure town frolics. um. <sighs> didn't really inspire confidence but it's it's grown on me since then and you hit it on the head if that is possibly the safest way that they have of doing it and in really it looks good and if you if you don't you know stare at the screens themselves it looks like a crowd you know it the the pumped in crowd noise is really off-putting at times but it does. It feels more like a lived-in raw show circuit twenty nineteen, and that's what they're trying to get. So, completely successful in that regard.
1: They need to I mean, ditch the drone cams. I feel and, like AEW needs to look at this and go, "How do we do it, but better?"
0: Well, I don't think so. I think they're AEW is unique in that they have Daly's place. They have two different complete venues in that WWE can do the Thunderdome because they have a self-contained indoor arena that they have you know 24 7 access to for a set amount of time whereas Daily's place is an open air arena that they can actually get people into they can actually get a crowd into and keep them separate and keep them distant in open air which allows them to do something that wwe can't so i that think it's true i, I think so they're it both creates going its about, own uniqueness yeah i think they're both going about in the best way that they can I mean, let's be honest, yeah. the the best and safest way that they can do it at all would be to not do it, period. But if you're going to do it, I think they're both hitting about right, honestly. Um, personally, I didn't mind the, you know, performance center with the, the hockey boards and the, you know, performance center guys in the background. That didn't bother me, but it does feel more like what you want out of Raw. And I and in that regard, it is a win. Um. I think they've missed a couple chances. I'm hoping they get to it. The fact that they haven't, you know, blocked out screens and put the Fiend mask up during his matches is kind of a missed call. And I think, honestly... Oh, my God, that's
1: brilliant. Or, hell,
0: you know what would be really easy to do? Have the screens flicker and the lights flicker, and then all of a sudden every screen is someone from Retribution. Easy peasy. Makes sense. Genius. I think they gave up on Retribution, bro. Nope, they're just moving them to Raw. Oh. Yep, they were on Raw, and supposedly going to be a Raw-only thing going forward. Um, which, who the fuck cares? I don't care anymore. I my, my title, my note for that headline was just simply, God, I hate Retribution. <laughs> um, but I tell you, they could have turned it into a specific angle. Well, we, we can get to Retribution in a minute. we got we got to keep on the Thunderdome for a second. Sure. Because um, you hit right on it. The only downside to the Thunderdome is that they involve the public, and they involve the internet, and the moment the no, it involve involves the internet, Americans, bro, just say it well, real. I mean, it's it's not just Americans because it's people from all over the world can sign into WWE Network and get on the Thunderdome. They need approval it for it. Doesn't matter where you come from. Oh, you, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's it, you can sign up from wherever you want to. How, why haven't we done it yet? Uh, mostly because I I have no desire to like. I well, I don't. I don't have a, web, don't have a webcam sign up, gonna, Honestly, I don't have a webcam that's going to allow me to. For one, okay. I, I don't have a good enough webcam on my on my uh, computer, and I also would have to sit it in front of my TV, which is not going to end well for anybody. However, I also I have more fun making fun of it than I probably would being a face on the show. Um, I would wear a JIC shirt if I could.
1: Not that it matters. I vibe that. I've, I, I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm seriously considering go, doing. Go for
0: it. it, man. I got no problem with it.
1: I mean, um, no. I want to do it just for the show, our show's purpose, yeah. like to you know report back and be like, this is just, my experience. Uh, just if
0: you're gonna do something, let's keep it to the uh, Pikachu, Mario, and uh, and and Teddy Bear, rather than the you know KKK and mug shots of Sonya Deville stalker, and then you know the actual you know, public execution. Let's avoid that. If we can avoid the Benoit well, pictures, I think we're probably in good shape. As well as, <laughs> well as the Benoit picture, which... the uh, Honestly, the execution's probably the, the far end bad you can get. Than and the she-
1: KKK member are the top two, the, for sure. The the, I don't
0: story. know. I think the, the fact that they showed the uh, somebody close to the ringside had the mugshot of Sonya's Stalker during the Sonya-Mandy match is right That's up terrible. there.
1: <laughs> That's horrible.
0: I will say it's my, also
1: been used for some activism, though.
0: Oh, yeah. There's the uh, the Fire Velveteen Dream, yes. There was someone who said, uh, I believe it was uh, Oscar would rape Sasha. Yeah, that's always fun. Um, I don't know. I Personally, my favorite is still the Mario, just because it, it inspired me to have the tweet that just read, It's-a-me, Austin. It's-a-me all along.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I,
0: I couldn't really resist that. Um. yeah you, trolls are gonna troll and there's no way in hell that they can't expect that if they didn't expect that they're idiots but you would
1: think I, that they could have more of a delay to catch that yeah. kind of shit like I feel like here's how it should work this is my opinion take it or leave it I think that if you sign on to the network to or however you watch Thunderdome you sign on you should be able to see 30 seconds before you will ever appear on the screen. And that 30 seconds is where they can use their people to actually screen every person that's on, because right. it's not that many. Listen, they've been doubling down. That's one thing I think is kind of <laughs> bullshit, too. They, they did a couple times. Using the same they've person caught, multiple yeah. times. They've definitely been caught. My favorite. I remember, I also
0: think I've seen somebody that fell asleep watching it. That's also oh, a yeah. one. Yeah. Um, supposedly they have standards and practices for it. So you can't do this. You can't do that. Clearly that's not been followed by anyone. Um, I don't know that they've got enough personnel to keep eyes on every screen at every time. Who knows? But you've got to have some form of tape delay or some form of screening because the fact that the shit's gotten on and hell, uh, there was another KKK sighting during the Big E matches, of all things, on Friday. Fuck. Yeah. Or I guess Yeah. I guess it was on, on Payback, I guess. Um, yeah. Exactly when you did... I mean, there's not a good time to have the KKK on screen, but during a Black Guys match, it's probably even worse. Um, but the fact that it got on a second time means you missed it once, you were scanning for it, and you missed it again. Or you just weren't scanning for it at all. Wouldn't be the first time that WWE's told us they were testing and screening for things and then wasn't at all, so. Ooh, (laughs) sick burn. Oh, yeah. Did you, uh, speaking of which, did you hear Renee talking about that this morning? No. Yeah, she did an exit interview, I think, with, I want to say, Sports Illustrated. Uh, Yeah, the whole rumor that there was heat on her for explaining that she had COVID. Yeah, true. That was true. (laughs) Why she left. They didn't. Supposedly, they didn't even contact her to say, hey, are you okay? They texted her to say, hey, you probably shouldn't say that. Or we wish you hadn't said that.
1: Jesus.
0: She got a phone call from Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin asking if she's okay. But her actual employer was more worried about her PR. Yeah. Corporate America, bro.
1: Yep. By the way, on my television screen right now, as we're recording this, folks, I just want you to know... I have quite possibly the weirdest match on in the history of WCW. Oh god. It's a 1996 uh uncensored Doomsday cage match. Oh
0: the the multi-layer cage. It's like four cages yeah. on top of
1: each other perfectly that's, that's, that's stacked. It's so Rousseau weird. Right there. That's I keep looking Rousseau. up going, "Oh, what the fuck?"
0: That is absolutely Pete Russo. Um Actually, speaking of Verso, and speaking of WCW, really quickly, um, I got to read a very quick review of the David Arquette documentary. So oh, can't nice! Kill David Arquette. Apparently,
1: it's very good. I bet it is. I bet I, it's amazing. I've heard it is. It is very good. Also, I don't mean to correct you, but sure. I think that you're thinking of the Teardrop Cage. That was a Russo idea. This is '96 before Russo's in. This okay? No, I I thought
0: Russo did the. I thought Russo was part of the Doomsday. I know he was the Arquette guy, but I thought he had done that as well. Sorry, I I can't help but think. I can't help but conflate all bad things WCW with Vince Russo. So, okay, corny. You don't have to cut my nuts off, man. Jeez. (laughs) Well, his
1: his disdain for Russo is utterly hilarious. Well, he also has
0: well. Cornett also has disdain for pretty much anything that is good taste. So fuck, <laughs> fuck both of them. Yeah. I hate both of them. He's <laughs> the greatest. My, heel to wrestling. quote one of my favorite favorite lines from a celebrity roast, which was, I believe, that roasted David Hasselhoff. If you put Jim Cornette and Vince Russo in a room, and you set off a bomb, the world would have lost a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <sighs> Uh, so yeah, Thunderdome, Thunderdome's interesting. I'm, I'm glad they're kind of hitting their stride. Again, I hate the fact that it's still under the control of Kevin Dunn because it's still terrible Those jump diggles. cuts are
1: so sickening, bro. Literally sickening.
0: Yes. And again, we also have the, the entrances that, yeah, they got Pyro back, but they're also way overdoing some of them. Again, the Fiends oh. being just nausea-inducing. Yes. Uh, I like the Fiends entrance, but my God, that's wild. Um, and actually, speaking of the Fiend, he actually ties right back in with our our talk about Roman coming back as a heel, uh, and the great heel turn. I mean, they've all but confirmed the heel turn now that he, you know, interfered in, or he didn't even interfere in a match, but he has Heyman with him. He's trash talking and he, you know, blatantly low blowed, I think it was Braun. Um, Everything so far has been just pitch perfect with this heel turn with him. Um, supposedly, they are angling to have Bray as the primary baby face on SmackDown now. And that's that's something I don't know that... I, I don't know how they're going to pull that one off. But Well, they're going to keep Bray, gonna Bray being try.
1: Firefly Funhouse Bray as good uh, guy, super think, good guy.
0: Maybe, but I mean any time that he's in the ring it's gonna
1: be the fiend more than likely. Yeah, so but you still... can just keep the fiend dialed up to eleven and if he has all truistic reasons he's looked at as a good guy. I mean he's that Maybe. like tweener Maybe. good guy, bad guy kinda Austin fucking Randy Orton type Maybe. Move. It's just kind of odd to
0: see them make a slasher villain into a hero, so we'll we'll, we'll see how it meanwhile we've got Alexa Bliss turning into Harley Quinn, like figuratively. I fucking love it.
1: I'm here for that. Like
0: uh you get you know Alexa Stockholm Syndrome Bliss. Um, a couple other of the big headlines was the debut of Keith Lee. You know, last show we talked about them taking the title off of him. Maybe he was getting a call up. Well, guess what? <laughs> Less than a week later, he is on Monday Night Raw
1: with god-awful music. Oh, does something grind your gears, bud? Let's talk about it. <laughs> uh, don't...
0: If I, you want to talk about something grind my gears, we don't have time on this show for that kind of shit. But, <laughs> yeah, for some reason, in case you in case you have not witnessed it, they debuted Keith Lee on Raw, and for reasons unknown but to God, they have the first O'Bask oh, in His Glory, and the For He is Limitless, and it kind of does the little tape unwinding like his theme does. But instead of getting the wonderful theme music of him rapping his own lyrics, you have... What appears to be like creator wrestler music from SmackDown versus Raw twenty twenty fifteen or whatever. I know it's exactly
1: why they awful. changed his music.
0: I've heard it's because CFO dollar sign or whatever the hell it is that was
1: doing the themes is wanting more money. I guess I don't know. Well, they don't have an agreement with him anymore. Well, and I... in order for them to use that theme on now a different brand, you're right, it does cost more money because you have to license it for a new product. Right. And Keith Lee is on a upward trend to super, super stardom. Right. They've I mean, got... as long as they don't completely fuck it up with his attire and everything else. Well, they've got, but...
0: the push seems to be there. Uh, rumor is the push is even in line for more, but they didn't just mess up the music. They also put him in a compression shirt, and for the first match... What looked to be basketball shorts that um, looked a lot just like a like a tennis skirt of sorts, not a good look at all. And that that's not a you know cost us more money thing. That is one thousand percent a Vince McMahon doesn't think he looks muscular enough, and that's that's infuriating for one. Uh, um, I will say that I mean the push is still there. They still did give him a clean win over Orton clean as a sheet and then made him look like a million bucks on raw the following night. But Lee himself also said that, you know, I, the music is out of my hands. Just be patient. We'll get it figured out. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of a doubt there. I did think it was kind of interesting that the pay-per-view he came out. Did you see the reference? I don't know if you're a, a anime fan of any kind. Did you see what he may have may or may not have been referencing with his pay-per-view attire? I don't think I caught it. No, it. Well, at first glance, it looked like a grass skirt for one, which sure made me angry at first. But he's a a noted and admitted anime lover, always has been. And it looked for all the world like he was trying to be Broly
1: from Dragon Ball Z. Oh, how did I fucking miss that, man?
0: I, I didn't catch it at first either, so don't feel too bad. Uh, I'm gonna go fucking look yeah. If at you it. if you look up Broly's gear and then you look at Keith Lee's gear, you can see some definitely you can see some resemblance to it, which made me laugh because that would now be twice that wrestlers have actually done DBZ inspired gear on Raw. That <laughs> was on a, oh, on oh payback, that was at yeah. Raw that wasn't at Payback. Uh, it was on it was at Payback yeah. Okay, um, and the other time being the New Day at WrestleMania with the full on uh, Ginyu Force gear. Um. and I, honestly I'm happy to see that Lee's getting a push I love it I love the fact that he got a clean win over Randy Orton that's a big fucking deal and then they made him again they made him look like a million bucks on Raw this past week uh, by virtue of having a triple threat with him and Orton and Rollins and this great this, this okay real quick have you seen the end of Raw from this past week I don't remember no. if I had a
1: chance to talk to you about it or not no, uh, I so, haven't seen it. I am seeing Keith Lee look like Broly, though, and I totally fucking see it now. Yep, you see it now. So the end,
0: the premise for this past week's Raw was that <clears throat> they had a series of matches. I think it was Ziggler and Lee, uh, Orton and uh, KO, Rollins and Dominic, and the winners of those matches had a triple threat, and the winner of the triple threat would go on to face Drew McIntyre at... Uh, the upcoming Clash of Champions pay-per-view. So, you know, interesting thing. It's unlike Raw to actually have a storyline throughout the show, so I appreciate it. And it ended with Rollins, Orton, and Keith Lee. I'm involved. I'm interested. Uh, But the finish of the match was uh, great for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, for a legitimate, wonderful, great booking decision. uh, And once for a, you know, complete gif-worthy, funny moment. Um, the finish was, uh, Seth, I can't remember what he was trying to do. Keith Lee catches him for a spirit bomb and spirit bombs the living fuck out of him. Amazing. Rollins bounced like hell. I think he actually did a handstand. Um, and as soon as Lee stands up or gets out of the power bomb, uh, he gets caught with an RKO. Orton, however, does not pin Lee. He goes and he pins Rollins. Because He, like, scrambles over Lee to get to Rollins because he knows that, A, well, kayfabe, A, knows that Lee's probably going to kick out of the RKO, and B, the spirit bomb's probably more damaging to Rollins than his RKO was to Lee in the first place. That's the more likely pin. That puts over Lee huge, for sure. And the the funny moment was as he tries to scramble over Keith Lee and get to Rollins, he kind of, like, trips and Orton pretty much just does a barrel roll to get to the pin like this half dive roll half barrel roll almost a cartwheel into the pin amazing and you can think in, in the back of his head Randy's probably just laughing his ass off at it
1: <clears> oh <throat> um, of course i tripped great yeah
0: i mean to me it's it's the best Randy is one of those guys that is just very memeable the uh, I'm reminded of the dropping the Sing brother onto the table and then cringing afterwards when he like almost killed the guy uh, that or face he
1: made was like, oh, yeah, Jesus. Uh,
0: personally, my Oops. favorite is when I think it's right after he RKO's Evan born out of midair and like just starts pounding the air because he's so pumped up or uh, he hits an RKO on. I think it's Christian and then just starts doing jumping jacks in the ring. <laughs>
1: One of those times he hit an RKO and then started pounding the ground, he blew his shoulder out. Yeah.
0: Well, he's got a history of shoulder issues. That's not surprising, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was another it was another good moment from uh from Orton in that regard. Um yeah, the debut and push Ali seems to be going really well. Supposedly they really want to push him as a main event guy, which I'm I'm for. They need new blood in there. Um, there seems to be a, I guess there's rumors of a draft coming up pretty soon, which would shake things up and I would, you know, assuming they keep him on raw, that gives him some fresh matches as well. Um, personally, I'd like to see him fight this newly heel turned Alistair Black, but we'll see. Um, we also had Dominic debuting over the last couple of weeks and, uh, We've seen him, you know, get some licks in with kendo sticks in the past. or getting a run in and a couple moves here and there, but these were actually his first couple of honest-to-God matches. He's had three now. The singles match with Rawlins at SummerSlam, the tag team match at Payback, and now a second singles match with Rawlins on Raw. And all three, he showed out. It's weird seeing him because he still looks really young. I don't know what his actual age is, but he looks young compared to everybody else around him. But the kid's got potential. I don't know if you would agree with that, but I think the kid's got a hell of a lot of potential.
1: Looking up his age really quickly here. He sure. is 23 years of age, born April 5th of 97. 23?
0: He, so he's actually older than guys like an MJF. or uh, He's Pete Dunn's age, I do believe. He just really looks young. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that we've seen him when he was younger, I don't know. He's got that Mysterio DNA, brother. Come on, man. I still I still contend that he got his height from his uh his Eddie Guerrero jeans, but
1: <laughs> Damn. I, I love that he uses the frog splash in his finish.
0: Well yeah, he he hit a six one nine and then a frog splash. He's gotta pay tribute to both his dads. <laughs>
1: yep. You guys um, aren't
0: as because cool, I grew up with two dads who were in wrestling. Yeah. Two of the greatest of all time, no less, yeah. Fucking We'd A. Break the K We know Eddie's not his dad. It's just too good
1: of a joke to make. For um, sure. And listen, just to comment on Dominic, really quickly, I think he's doing phenomenal in the ring. Yeah. And I definitely. think that of all the things he's done, the thing that we surprisingly didn't really, really touch on is the amount of kendo shots he took in a row. In yeah, we, six, we touched on that in the last show. But he yeah. did it in like the following week, though. Again, yeah. they took him to the fucking shed.
0: Yeah. Uh, I remember reading something recently that Rollins handpicked him. Like, Rollins selected said, hey, I want to work with Dominic and helped him lean out his matches and everything.
1: Hmm, that's so, awesome.
0: You know, just kind of pointing out that Rollins may stick his foot in his mouth social media-wise, but he seems to be a pretty all right guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, he tries to do right by people. I get yep. it, man. Yep. Point of fact, uh, I
0: mentioned, uh, uh, and I'll mention him again later on the show, but Benjamin Carter, uh, that guy from the indie show I mentioned earlier, I guess Rollins', tra- Rollins school trained him found that out tonight. He's got a a nice future ahead of him. Um, We also have, uh, I think we are finally, the year of our Lord 2020, we are finally getting the Bailey-Sasha feud. It's only, you know, three years too late, but I think we may finally be getting it after having them drop the title, or the uh, Sasha's title at SummerSlam and now the tag titles at Payback. And uh, with... Bailey keeps making kind of snide comments to Sasha and Sasha keeps side-eyeing her. I think we're finally getting to that point. Um, I mentioned Retribution because I can't stand them. They are still bad at everything that they do. Hey, we have two major pay-per-views two weeks in a row. You know, you guys want to cause chaos. What better to do than, you know, not show up or do anything? Retribution? <laughs> oh, yeah, did you hear that? The, what? The, okay, that... The last few weeks on Raw, and for reasons that are beyond my comprehension, they've been partnering with this girl from, I guess, The Bachelor, Demi, whatever her name is. She's can't act. She's not good, and she's ruining angles. She got more screen time. Wait. Okay. You have Ricochet, you have Alistair Black, you have Ali, and they can't all combine get as much screen time as she does. That's a problem. Um, Jesus, that's awful. But she was involved in an angle where... Uh, Angel Garza ran away with her. They were running away from from Retribution, and she tries to say Retribution, and she says like re recreation or something like that. She completely mangles it. Ugh. Um, yeah, she's no, it, it's it's all bad there. The uh, I don't I don't even want to get to the tag scene on Raw right now because it's a mess. Tag, team what tag teams, tag team wrestling in general in WWE is a fucking mess. We've talked about it before. Yeah, it's um, awful. It's bad. We don't like it. Speaking of tag teams, hey, you know they have a women's tag division, right? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. They just paired up You know, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax is the female team. Hell no, apparently. But uh, you know what? The one problem they have is their depth, right? They don't have enough teams, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, so let's break up one of the yeah. teams.
0: Let's go up and break up the Iconics with absolutely no build to it. And this is coming how from someone who doesn't what's even the like story the behind that because
1: I did not see what happened.
0: Um, there was none. That that's that's the answer to that question. There was none. But, like it how was did they break up? Though there was, um, you watch Monday Night Raw. You're watching. I think I think it may have been the Keith Lee match. And uh, on the little ticker on the bottom, it says Iconics versus uh, Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. The loser or the winner gets a tag team title shot. The loser is no more. That's your build. That was the first mention of it. That was the only mention of it. There was no dissension, teased between either team, and that was the build for the entire story. For uh, you know, showed up maybe twenty-five to thirty minutes later. Dumb, yes, dumb, dumb, dumb. However, this is coming from someone who doesn't even like the Iconics as a team. I've long said that they got called up way too early. That Billy Kay is not a good wrestler at least from what I have seen. Uh, Peyton Royce is not bad. I, I can dig her. I, I think she's attractive as hell. I think Sean Spears won the fucking lottery. And I think she's got promise as a wrestler. I think she's still pretty green. That's just my take on it. Sure. But I don't get breaking them up when you have no no depth in your division. I mean, I get breaking them up if you're going to put Peyton Royce in a singles push and maybe have Billy as her manager. But they then went and had on underground, Peyton threw Billy into the raw underground scene and got got her beat up by Marina Shafir. So apparently they're not even friends anymore. Who knows? It just seems like a really hastily made decision and dumb all around. And, uh, yeah, makes you wonder if somebody's taking time off or what the hell they're doing. Um, Speaking of things leaving... Uh we have two possibly uh well one definitely and one possibly definitely out. Uh, Brock is a free agent.
1: Brock Lesnar is crazy a, to me, but not, I don't a, think is it's gonna no go longer anywhere. under
0: contract with WWE. Supposedly he is in negotiations with them. I don't know how ongoing they are. Apparently it's all dependent on whether or not A, they can throw enough money to get Brock to show up again or if he sees something he actually wants to do. Uh, but yeah, right now Brock is a free agent.
1: You gotta think that. Do Tony. Do you think Khan's if you're Tony gonna... Khan you pick up the phone and call him at all? Or is that just I... like why the fuck would we bring him in here? I don't know, man. That's that's
0: it's an odd question because the guy's a proven draw. He is proven money, but he also comes with the stigma of that character is about dead end right now.
1: <clears throat> now yeah, who are you gonna have him feud with Wardlow, the battle of the Fs? Uh, I would, better. I would,
0: I would pay good money to watch Wardlow and, and Lesnar fight, as long as Lesnar's willing to do business. I'd, I'm done seeing Lesnar squashes. I really am. But if they're going to be competitive matches, sure, I'm all for it. There's a lot of good people. He, Lesnar and Wardlow. Lesnar and fucking Luchasaurus. Lesnar and uh, uh, Orange Cassidy. Holy shit! Oh god! He's the First man to go to Suplex City with his hands in his pockets. Um, <laughs> Give me, a, you know, Lesnar and fucking Lance Archer. Uh, yes. Lesnar and an actual decent Jay Kager. Lesnar and fucking uh, Brian Cage. Lesnar and an actual motivated and realistic John Moxley. Sure, I'm there for it. But again, only if it's not just squashes. I've seen enough squashes from Lesnar in my lifetime. I don't need more. Um... I should well let me rephrase that. I could watch him squash Spike Dudley again. I could see that. Um, the other uh, the other interesting departure from uh, from WWE is Mauro Ranallo is gone.
1: Oh, I feel he's for sure AEW bound.
0: Um, I don't think so, actually, because really? the reasonings for him leaving were not that there was an issue with WWE. Uh, he's apparently leaving to take care of his mother. Oh, so I I don't think you're going to see him go to any place else for a while. He may, I mean when he comes back maybe it's to I W I don't know. Um, it maybe when he decides to come back it's back to WWE. I don't I there's not an answer for it. But supposedly he's going to take care of his mother who is in poor health I guess. Um, and I guess also he had other things he'd like to do which may be going back to uh, MMA. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, personally, I hate to see him go because I know he could be kind of polarizing, and that's not a take on the, that's not a bad pun on the bipolar rock and roller, but he was kind of polarizing in the IWC fandom in general because people either loved him or hated him. You love the fact that he had so much energy, but maybe the pop culture references wore on you a bit or were kind of overdone. I loved him. I always liked him. Um, The fact that you would have a crowd chanting Mamma Mia means you are over as shit, man. I like it. Fuck yeah. And he seems like a legitimately wonderful person backstage as well. A couple other quick hit headlines. There is a rumor of some new signings to NXT. Of uh, guys that I'm familiar with from their days and beyond. Uh, Josh Briggs, who is the possibly final Evolve champion. Josh Briggs, who's been on my short list for someone to watch for a good long while, <laughs> and now he's going to be signed before I can get to it. Um, Retro AG, Anthony Green, uh, Chainsaw Joe Gacy, also both Evolve guys, both of them beyond, or, uh, Briggs and Green are both Beyond, and Limitless guys as well. Uh, Brandy Loren, <clears throat> who is not just a wrestler, but is also a, I guess, former Joey Janela girlfriend. Uh, if you would like to see her on WWE programming. She was the redhead that was in the hot tub with Damian Priest the other day. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's Randy Loren. Um, and also uh, Kurt Stallion, who is someone I have heard the name of before, but I'm not as familiar with. Um, Rumor that they are signed or soon to be signed by WWE, which is kind of a nice thing. NXT could kind of use a little bit new blood. Um, NXT's kind of in a weird position right now because they don't have the turnover that they used to. Um, They don't have guys that are in the main event spot and then moving up. They have now the Bowers, the Champas, the Garganas of the world that are not moving out. They're not cycling out and graduating, so to speak. So their top of the card's kind of a little stagnant, especially now that uh, Lee is gone that Matt Riddle's gone and now Karrion Cross, who we haven't even mentioned yet, uh, having relinquished the title due to injury,
1: is out for an undisclosed amount of time. He so got fucking kind Ballard, of, man. Yeah. I, I knew it. I knew it when I saw that he got injured. I went, fuck.
0: I didn't see it in the match, but uh, it makes sense because that match was not very good. So for him to, to get hurt during that, that makes it seem a little more sensible. Um. We also had the release of the PWI Top 500. Did you happen to see any of that?
1: Numero uno, Senor
0: Moxley. Yep, and well-deserved, I think. When you think about, he's, he's still technically a title holder for New Japan. He's holding the uh, AEW title. He's had a lot of relevant matches. He's been one of the most talked-about guys in the world. He's had great matches with the belt and for the belt. So very understandable. If you want to look at the top 10 really quickly, Adam Cole, number two, Jericho, three, which is hilarious to me. Drew Drew McIntyre at four, Naito at number five, uh, Kazuchika Okada at number six, which I'm not sure that I agree with. Cody Rhodes at seven, Seth Rollins at eight, Kofi at nine, which is awesome. And AJ Styles rounding out number 10. Um, do love that uh, Mr. Keith Lee is knocking at the door at number 11. Sweet. Um, I do need to shout out two names in particular. I have to find them. I have to find them now. Um, I'm looking at my list here. Looking at my list. Sorry, I I have the list pulled up, but for some reason I did not have the uh, correct ones.
1: It's okay. It's not the uh, the world,
0: Buckles. Nobody's going to be upset with you. I do like Shingo Takagi at number 53. I think Shingo's one that's probably going to end up with a higher position later on down the road. Um, yeah, number 106 is War Horse. Hey! And then I want to say he's one in the 180s. Let me look here. I have to find him. I have to find him. I know he's in here somewhere. Senior Housen? uh 158 Mr. Danhausen himself nice uh, over some notable names he's over Flip Gordon over Sunny Kiss both the uh both of the uh FTR guys he's over both of them so nice to see that he's over Hager <laughs> so happy to see that my my beautiful baby boy Danhausen made it uh actually oh, yeah. Dead last, I have to give a little shout-out to somebody that I'm becoming a bigger, bigger fan of uh, who runs the indies with the two of them, and I'll mention here shortly later on, and Dan the Dad at number 500. Hmm. Dan the Dad is a very, very fun uh, independent wrestler. Um and then the final headline I had before we get into recaps and such is the New Japan headline of uh, Tetsuya Naito finally got both titles back. They ended the, I guess, what you call the experiment of having both belts on uh, a good day
1: to be evil. Yeah, man. Like, I feel like they're building a pretty stellar feud between those two that's going to be a lot longer than just what we're seeing right now. Well, you got to think of the reasoning behind it
0: is that they moved Naito over to Bullet... Or they moved uh, uh, Evil over to Bullet Club because half of Bullet Club is out of the country. <laughs> yeah, The Bullet Club was right started now. as a faction of Gaijins, of, of outsiders who, uh, spoiler alert, are still outside. You can't get the Jay Whites of the world. You can't get the uh, Bad Luck Fales and Tamatongas of the world in, <laughs> into Japan right now, evidently. So they kind of need to... Uh, reestablish the Bullet Club, which is one of their most profitable factions. They need to have somebody on top that can uh, draw a crowd. And uh, while they do have Kenta, which I think Kenta would have been a fine choice, I think they want to have a little bit of a a homegrown feud with Naito. So I think Evil's not a bad choice. Um, They pushed him very far, very quickly, but I think the belts being back on Naito's ways are about where they need to be right now. Um. Did you see any of the actual presentation of their
1: show? No, I did not get to see any. That was done at a
0: baseball it. field.
1: Oh, you know, you know what? I'm a dumbass. Yeah, I did see a very little yeah. bit of
0: that. That was done at a baseball field, which isn't isn't uh, you know a novel thing. I know Ring of Honor has done that before a couple times, but uh, they also, and I, I heard this from a friend of mine, uh, actually shout out to John Bingaman of the D-List from JIC. Hey. Hey. Um, Mentioned to me, he's he watches a lot of New Japan, that the crowds were not allowed to cheer or boo during the matches for safety concerns. Didn't want wow. to have people spitting. So instead, and I, I haven't looked this up to back up the claim, supposedly they were each given a button that said yay or boo. And when they would press it, the speakers would yay or boo. <laughs>
1: That's crazy, that's, but
0: also awesome. That's that's kind of chaotically brilliant, and I kind of love it. <laughs> it did also give us a really nice visual when Naito won the belts, and they were able to shoot some fireworks over it, so cool there. Um, but yeah, that is all the headlines real quick. We do have a couple shows to recap and
1: one to preview, and then I do hey, have a top uh, ten. I have the triumphant return of the top ten. Man, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get to your top ten, but I feel like we've got to cover TakeOver, we have to cover... We have um, TakeOver, we have two WWE
0: pay-per-views, and then we have All Out coming up this
1: weekend that we got to get to. Man, well, um, tell Tell me where we are starting, my friend. Let's,
0: uh, let's go chronological. Saturday night was NXT, uh, which I have the card right up here. We have actually uh, pre-show... Uh, the crowning first time that uh first time that we have goal on either of these two gentlemen, Brizango wins the uh tag team titles over uh or no excuse me, they didn't win the tag team titles there, I'm sorry. They uh won a number one contendership match uh over Lorcan and Birch and Legato del Fantasma. They won the titles the following week. I misspoke. But uh they do have nice to see the belts on uh Breeze and Fandango for the first time. Um, we had, uh, Timothy Thatcher and Finn Balor, which I loved. I am a big Thatcher fan. I love the grapple, you know, kind of ground and pound submission style. And he is one of the best grapple fuck artists that you're going to find. So the two of them, Finn actually played really well into that gimmick as well. I thought that was a great match. Um, we had the, uh, five way ladder match between, Velveteen Dream, Cameron Grimes, Damian Priest, Bronson Reed, and Johnny Gargano with a special guest appearance from
1: Candice LeRae. <laughs> I'm assuming you watched it. Interesting, I didn't know that happened. Did you not watch TakeOver? I haven't got a chance to, oh. to, to, f- to fully watch all of it. I okay. saw it sporadically, so I've seen parts of a lot of matches, but not everything of all the matches. Okay,
0: so... Uh, when I say the special guest appearance, cause it, was, it was a fun ladder match. There was some uh, decent comedy spots. Grimes ended up having to do the splits on a couple ladders, which was funny. But um, Candace got involved, tried to get her licks in on a couple different people, and one, she actually ended up on top of the ladder, on, uh, like piggybacked on Bronson Reed, who dove off of the ladder onto Gargano with Candice still on his back. Whoa. So... Uh, fun match all the way around. Um, the presentation of Elventine Dream is still really, really awkward because I don't really think like, the fans, the quote unquote fans there are cheering for him or, you know, reacting to him, but the public perception of Dream is still pretty much in the toilet at the moment. Um, I think putting the, putting the belt on priest was the right call. I like having it on someone new, and I think he's earned the fact that he can put on some really good matches, so lots of things they can do with that. Um, shout out to Bronson Reed really showing out, and uh, showing up in Bam Bam Bigelow-inspired gear, which is fucking cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, honestly, my favorite match of the night was next. It was the Pat McAfee and Adam Cole match.
1: Um, did you at least get to watch that? Uh, I saw about there's all three quarters of it, and I caught the end. Okay. Uh, if you get a chance, out of everything
0: else they had on that show, that is the match to watch. That was the okay. match of the night. And uh, Cole is as good as he ever is. Cole's a great guy. He's a ring general, and uh, he's really grown on me ring style-wise lately. But fucking Pat McAfee brought it. He absolutely, power slams and fucking drop kicks and everything needed, worked heel style really well, but one, the fucking dive off of the turnbuckle to the floor was a fucking swanton, no less. Beautiful swanton from Matt. And then the uh, getting dumped off the top rope, doing a backflip and landing on his feet, running back up and pretty much high-jumping onto both feet on the ropes to execute a superplex spot from a first-time professional wrestler. Well done, fucking Pat McAfee. Well fucking done. Hell yeah. And the cool thing to read, and some of the stuff after the fact, he opened up a lot of eyes, and a lot of people who were really not receptive to him being in a match ahead of time would love to see him come back. I even heard somebody say, hey, that four-way they had on NXT this past week, The the Iron Man four-way. Let's have uh, maybe Pat McAfee can interfere and cost Colt. We can run that match back. Can you imagine higher praise for a non-wrestler? That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever going to do it again. I hope he does because he showed a hell of a lot of talent. The dude is a great promo and a natural heel promo. Dude gets it. McAfee flat out gets it. So I'd love to see him come back. Okay. Um, I'm for it. You also have uh, Io Shirai retaining her title against Dakota Kai. Kind of a meth match to me. Io's great. Kai's not bad by any stretch, but they did a terrible job of building up Dakota Kai as a uh, threat. Um, you did also have some uh, some shenanigans after the fact between uh, Raquel Gonzalez and uh, Rhea Ripley, which is fun. Uh, they're, she's going to have a nice little uh, cage match with, uh, Mercedes Martinez next week, which should be awesome. Um, and then the Lee versus cross match, you and I talked about it a little bit. Uh, they did take the title off of Lee, which is really, uh, at the time was kind of unfortunate, very strange. Um, and sad to say that cross hurt his arm halfway through the match. Uh, so ended up having to drop the title right afterwards. So obviously the whole thing is a wash. Uh, personally, I didn't enjoy the match that much. It was a lot of rest holds. But then again, when somebody you know hurts their shoulder, it's kind of hard to have a decent match. So just throw that one out, I would say. <clears throat> so that was TakeOver. Um, next night on SummerSlam, uh, we started off with Apollo Crews retaining his then-United uh, States title over MVP because we needed that feud continuing on for some reason. Uh, you had Asuka beating Bayley, where Bayley where uh, Sasha took a bullet for Bailey and helped Bailey win. Uh, you had the Street Profits over Garza and Andrade, which I've already completely forgotten. <laughs> uh, should tell you a little bit about how memorable that match was. I will say Montez Ford, if they ever decide to break that team up, Montez has a bright future as a singles guy if he needs to. Sure. So the guy's got charisma yeah. to burn. Uh, Mandy versus Sonia. Uh ended up being went from being a hair versus hair match to a loser leaves town match that Sonya surprisingly enough lost. Um I know why she lost. Well, I mean it's understandable someone wanted to take some time away from WWE at the moment, but
1: No, actually. Her <laughs> lawyer advised her against uh right. cutting her hair. That because of the trial sing. and everything, yeah,
0: I remember reading that it wouldn't wouldn't put her over as very uh, interesting or a positive light with a jury potentially. There's also the idea that she wanted to sell her house and wants to just you know take some time off, which again completely understandable. Really, props to both of them. For even, props to both of them for even putting the match on. Honestly, um, yeah. Quick aside also. Uh, the week prior, the uh, I think it was SmackDown prior to SummerSlam, there was a segment between, I believe it was Dana and Sonya, and uh, they briefly kind of, they made reference to the situation, the kidnapping thing, and, wow. uh, you know, Sonya made, or, man, or uh, I guess... Uh, uh, Dana. She made Dana made some kind of comment to her, you know, hey, we're here for you or something. And Sonia slapped her, and I'm pretty sure that the opposite cheek on Dana's face took the welt. It was the hardest slap I may have ever seen in WWE programming. Wow. It was terrifying. Um We also finished so we moved on from there to uh, Seth versus Dominic, which you and I already touched on. Uh, at least their first meeting, uh, Seth wins through shenanigans when uh, he threatens Ray's mother, Ray's wife, who was on on the stage at the time, and handcuffed uh, Ray to the ring and made him watch as Dominic got stomped. A lot of shenanigans in it. wasn't as good a match as they had later on, but still fun. Um, we had Oscar versus Sasha. Uh, in which Asuka wins the title because Bailey wouldn't take the same bullet that Sasha took for her, uh, causing Sasha to lose the match, leading to their slow-as-a-snails-pace breakup. Um, we had Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre. The quote-unquote, you'll never see it coming, ended up not involving an RKO or a Claymore. It involved a backslide, of all things. Oh, yeah. First time I've seen a title change hands on a backslide in years. Um, And then we already touched on the Fiend versus Braun, uh, the original match, which was pretty much just a uh, Hoss fight that ended up with a couple sister Abigails onto some some exposed boards because Brock got out a box cutter, which was, you know, you were kind of relieved when he started cutting the bat up instead of Bray. Uh, But that led to the Roman Reigns uh, heel turn, or at least the (laughs) return, and then into the heel turn, which was always fun.
1: And that's what uh, you're never going to see coming. Yeah,
0: that and that did catch a lot of people off guard. The return alone caught people off guard. Uh, I do want to give a quick uh, reference to the next night on SmackDown, or the next SmackDown after uh, SummerSlam leading up to Payback. Braun still has the shaved head and uh, was seen wearing a compression shirt, like this kind of army camo green Excessively tight compression shirt, along with his normal you know patchwork quilt pants and uh, it was a very odd look didn't it didn't look necessarily bad on him, but it sure as hell and I made a comment on Twitter about it. it made him look like uh, new brood Jeff Hardy and uh, Tank Abbott did the fusion dance. It was weird <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if they're going to continue with that. I'm not really sure why he shaved his head because it's not a very good look. Um, Yeah, that was SummerSlam. SummerSlam wasn't bad by any stretch. Um, Obviously, the big turn at the end kind of made the biggest headlines from it. And then a lot of it ended up bleeding over into payback. So instead of Apollo Crews and MVP, you have Lashley taking the belt off of Crews. Again, because we need to have that feud continuing on at ad infinitum. Um, We had Big E in his first uh, pay-per-view singles match in a few years. Uh, over Sheamus in a fairly good match. Uh, Sheamus doesn't get enough credit for how good of a worker he actually is, and he put over very, he put over Big E pretty well. Um, you had Matt Riddle over Baron Corbin, which immediately got invalidated after the fact because Corbin then attacked Riddle backstage, I meaning that feud's going to continue. Um, we have the again the new Team Hell No female pairing of Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax over. Uh, the Golden Roll
1: models of Bailey and Sasha, which interestingly uh, having wasn't that Bailey that taps there uh, <laughs> to to
0: paraphrase that was a great ending, great finish where Shayna had what looked to be the part of a Moodle lock or an STF on Bailey uh, and then gets the Kirifuda on Sasha and then uses the arm from Bailey Bailey's own arm to choke out Sasha with. So, I'm going to choke out a motherfucker with another motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And they both tapped. Or, no, no, excuse me, they did not both tap. Uh, Bailey tapped. Bailey did tap. Uh, Sasha did not. Bailey tapped. So, Bailey was indirectly responsible for uh, Sasha losing her Raw Women's title and then was directly responsible for her losing the tag titles. Um. And then for some reason, Naya proceeded to act like this crazy, like, hi, mom, I'm so happy championship dance thing afterwards. I don't that know was, like, that was. That was bizarre. I can't stand Naya at this point. Anything she does is just eye roll worthy. Um, Shayna is actually, I honestly really enjoy her as kind of a tweener. I never thought I'd say that. She's really at her best as a heel, but she's actually a lot of fun as this kind of badass tweener. Um,. I do question why her eye makeup makes her look like the villain from Doctor Strange, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there.
1: Chysilius, that's fucking yes. hilarious, bro. Tell me you
0: did. next time you see her. Tell me you don't see that
1: Chysilius Baszler.
0: Yep, um, she looks like she's going to summon Dormammu. Yeah, um, we had uh, Keith Lee versus Randy Orton, which we already went over. That he had, uh, pinned Orton Queen as a sheet, which is nice. Uh, I love the spirit. I I, I love the big bang catastrophe. The former ground zero is what it was called in the indies. Uh, the kind of attitude adjustment into the power slam finisher, but the spirit bomb is his ticket to fame because no one hits a power bomb like Keith Lee does right now. True. I love watching the fact that whoever he hits and he, he damn near killed Ziggler on, on Monday. Um, Watching how much air they get after he hits that power bomb on him is nothing short of a drinking game. It's lovely.
1: Um, what would the had... drinking game rules be like? Per foot is per second you drink. Yeah, sure. Love
0: Take a that. shot for every. Take a shot for every time they bounce afterwards. I don't know. Um. Ooh. Then you also had the uh, the final match was the uh, rain, or you had Mysterio's and or excuse me. The Mysterios, Ray and Dominic, over Seth and uh, Buddy Murphy. There seems to be a bit of a split going on with Murphy and Rollins right now because Murphy cost Rollins the match indirectly and then got yelled at and dressed down on Raw the next night. Um, And then we move on to Reigns over Braun and the Fiend. The gimmick of it being that Reigns had not signed his contract prior to the match comes out halfway through the no holds barred match after the fiend and Braun had beaten the hell out of each other, signs his contract on the stage, comes down with a chair, uh, proceeds to beat the hell out of Braun with the said uh, chair, um, spear both of them, kick uh, kick Braun in the nuts, and then I think he pinned Braun, I do believe. So er, uh, so he walks away with the title.
1: Spoiler achieved. Man, I was like, fucking yes, they did it right.
0: They did, and really, like I said, they've hit every note on the heel turn pretty much pitch perfect. It's been nice. I love, absolutely love pairing him up with Heyman. Same, Um, I think that's a very smart place. Because you also now have Heyman just with every shitty grin in the world, which is exactly where he needs to be. Um. So that is the three WWE pay-per-views slammed through in very quick fashion. Uh, Now we have coming up this Saturday is All Out, second annual All Out.
1: Um, Super jazzed about it.
0: I am. I'm excited for it because they always put on a good show. But uh, like I said, some of the feuds are a little underwhelming to me, but that's just me. Um, They added a couple tonight on Dynamite, so I did have that included. I do believe <clears throat> uh, starting off the casino battle Royal, which we know involves a shitload of heels. <laughs> uh, I know we at least have um, the FTR or FTR, the FTW brigade of, of uh, cage and uh, absolute Ricky Starks. We had Darby. We have uh, Eddie Kingston's crew of Eddie Penta, Phoenix, butcher and blade, Uh, which Eddie may be scheming to pick the bones and get his own shot out of it. Um, You have Santana Ortiz mentioned tonight. You had best friends entered into it tonight. They had uh, uh, Sean Spears come out and stick his nose into it, so apparently he's in the match. So a lot of heels and a lot of big hoss fight going on. There should be a fun match, just kind of a weird amount of people who are on the same team is all fighting. It's a little unusual. Absolutely. They have Britt Baker and Big Swole in a supposed tooth and nail match, which I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean. Um, with it's, it, I, I don't really know where they're going with it. Obviously, they can do some form of dental thing with Britt, but I don't know where the nail is supposed to come in. Um, you have the Broken Rules match between Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara which I think we should know by now that someone's bleeding in that match. <laughs> oh, yeah, and a lot. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Matt has said that if he can't beat uh, Sammy, he will leave. Uh, being broken rules means me makes me think that they are very likely to have some form of cinematic in it. I wouldn't be surprised to see Sammy get chased by a golf cart again. Um, we have added tonight the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express without really any kind of a build to it. There's no real reason for it other than they can't go uh, pay-per-view without having the Bucks on the card. <laughs> uh, but you have the Dark Order, which I do believe in this instance is uh, Grayson and Uno, along with Mr. Brody Lee and Colt Cabana, versus what I'm dubbing the Cody Defense Crew, which is Dustin, which is Scorpio Sky, uh, Matt Cardona, QT. and QT which are probably not long for this world. They're going to lose. Oh, um, for sure. We didn't even really touch on uh on Brody beating Cody for the title, squashing Cody for the title no less. And then Three breaking match. breaking the uh old belt over his head. Um we have the Mimosa Mayhem match, the latest Jericho meme match. Uh, Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho in a match that involves either pinfall submission or being dumped into a 5,000-gallon vat of mimosa, which I think we can pretty much all agree that there's no chance in hell that Jericho's not going into that. For sure. Um, We have Kenny and Hangman versus FTR for the tag titles. I have to imagine that at this point FTR is going to win. I think... Uh, the time has come to
1: break up Kenny and, and Hangman, probably. But I think it's because Kenny's going to turn on Hangman.
0: I could see that, too. Uh, I know they teased the cleaner on being the Elite this week, so... um, We have Thunder Rosa versus Karo Shida which should be a great match, but unless they mysteriously have signed Thunder Rosa, there's no way she's beating Sheeta. Um... And then Moxley versus MJF with the Paradigm Shift band. Um, I,
1: I'm of kind of of two minds. What are your thoughts on that one? Okay, well, first of all, the thing with Thunder Rosa, I think anything is possible. And I say that anything is possible because Billy and Tony are working directly together to make this happen. And they're True. making sure that Thunder Rosa is getting a lot of spotlight. And with the way that the wrestling climate is now, a NWA is not allowed to do shows or aren't risking doing shows or whatever. They've decided not to change their presentation in favor of doing shows. Um, this is an opportunity to get people talking. And if Thunder Rosa takes the title in a night where what the only other title that's going to change hands is allegedly going to be the tag titles... That's not a huge I... win for All Out being the most talked about event, you know, like they like trying to do. They've got to think outside the box and do things bravely. And I think, sure, have fucking Thunder Rosa win and beat Sheeta and then have Sheeta challenge her for that. the NWA title, you know, and then have it like I feel that. you could have a running thing of feuds between these two.
0: Right. Like... I know I know you've always wanted to see NWA and AEW go at it. You've been you've been on that train ever since Marty. But I I I looking at the card and what I've just run down already and how many matches we thought are seemed fairly predictable, having Thunder Rosa win would add an air of unpredictability to the show which it does need at this point. But historically putting the belt on someone who's not contracted to your promotion it's historically not always gone well so they're kind of playing with fire if they do not saying they should or shouldn't but they're kind of playing with fire if they do fair point um and honestly it should be a good match again either way uh what are your thoughts on
1: mjf mox okay so mjf mox obviously i think mjf is still a little too too green to to put the title on him Especially right after John Moxley just rated the number one wrestler according to PWI, uh, the paradigm shift being banned—that's simple. You literally had Brody Lee lose to John Moxley in a submission hold. So Mox has more than just the paradigm shift in his arsenal, and right. it can be—it can be a MacGuffin in the match where there's moments where it looks like he's going to go for it. Oh my God, is he going to break the rule? No, he's not. Right. You know, always thinking about doing it, he's thinking he might do it, oh no, you know, and then maybe, you know, the ref gets knocked out and then he does the paradigm shift once, but then still uses a submission to beat him.
0: I think you don't the problem you're gonna run into is I don't think it's a good idea to have MJF tap either. Because you as nice as it is to see him get a push and get that main event rub, you don't want to take it off of him by showing that he couldn't hang either. Fair point. So what I wouldn't be surprised to see is interference or a dusty finish of sorts. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see a DQ. Uh, say Wardlow gets involved and gets caught or um, Wardlow actively, you know, costs MJF the title. The problem is that um, if you have him tap and lose cleanly, you who do you have face Moxley next you're running through competitors you're running I'm all for having you know one done feuds and I'm I'm all for not drawing them out very long but at the same time you're going to run through challengers at a pretty rapid clip you've already so done so do you he's think he's they're going to crown Omega. MJF I'm not saying I don't think they will crown him because I, I do think that it, I think it's too early unless Moxley's wanting to take time off uh, which I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't see them putting it on MJF right away. I think he needs a little bit more seasoning. This is the, really their first chance to try him out in that in that in that big main event spotlight. So personally, I see shenanigans that involve a DQ and Moxley retaining because of it. It's not like AEW to have a dusty finish, but that's also because they've never really done it before. So first time for everything. True. Um, That's that's one way that it could be done. Yep. So, I mean, I could see them them costing MJF the match through something out of his control or through something dirty. I could see them putting the title on MJF through shenanigans or something dirty as well to keep Moxley protected. But I don't think that's as likely. I think they still want to keep the belt on Mox. Um, the PWI thing, they've already mentioned on the air. I think that's something they want to keep kind of harping on a little bit. When it's not a bad idea to do so. Uh, so I think they find a creative way to keep Max strong, but in defeat. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think the big angle coming out of all out it's not going to be about the title it's going to be about the tag titles it'll be you know the end of all out last year was or it was double or nothing the mock showed up the end of all out last year was the uh oh no i'm uh, I'm, I'm hang my that page wrong.
1: not winning the title yeah
0: that's right um am sorry i was thinking of full gear for a minute um but I think the storyline coming out of it's gonna be hangman and and canny and feuding. Whether that's a hangman full turn or a Kenny full turn, I think that's where you're gonna see it. That's gonna be the big the big angle for next week's dynamite. Yeah, I think you're absolutely dead on. I do think we have new tag titles as well or new champions. So um who do you think wins the uh, battle royal?
1: Darby. I could see that. And the if problem- Darby wins, I see it possible that he could be the guy that takes the belt off Moxley and not MJF. Cause this would then be what his third title shot.
0: Yeah. I think if you give it to Darby, <clears> you need to have him take the belt off of somebody. If you have Darby win that match, you need to have him take the title off somebody. However, I don't think it's Darby. It's going to win the, the battle Royal personally. Because I think the feud they want to build is Darby versus. I think they need to have Darby take the FTW title off of Cage. Personally, Ooh. <clears throat> I think that's the. I think that's the first thing that needs to happen. Um. Personally, I'd like to see Phoenix win the uh, battle royal, but that's just because I want to see Phoenix in the title picture.
1: Well, yeah, uh, that would be
0: awesome, especially if 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 uh, if Eddie Kingston's still managing him. Because then you get Kingston versus Mox promos, and then you get a Phoenix versus Mox match.
1: It's a huge win-win. Those, Yeah, those are two things that I both want to see. Um, You're like, I am there for both of these things. Absolutely. You know what else I'm here for? What are you also here for, brother? I'm here for a top ten. Oh my, we are at the end of the show today, <laughs> folks, which means we're down to one segment left which is buckles most favorite segment it's the one he puts the work into guys because he's actually watching all this wrestling all this product he actually you know ranks them all as he's going through writes his notes down and figures out and compiles his top 10 so my friend i feel like we probably talked about several of these actual matches as we have we've hit on a few of them definitely week's <clears throat> episode but please take it away give us uh your top 10 uh, I do want to preface this because it's been a little while since we've had a top 10.
0: I haven't really run one since we had the onset of the pandemic because it's been damn hard to find 10 matches to put on a top 10 at times. Um, but this is not just a what I think are the best matches. This is just my personal opinion. These are my favorite 10 matches from the last week, and or the last two weeks since the last show. Not to say that they're the best 10 quality-wise, but the 10 I think you would probably enjoy the most if you were to go find so take that as you will um and like any good rule when i have a top 10 i like to break it by having two honorable mentions right off the bat <laughs> um two honorable mentions both from uh from the indie shows uh from the black label pro uh, we're back show uh we have cabana man dan uh, versus Colin Delaney versus Man Scout Jake Manning versus Dan the Dad. I mentioned Dan the Dad earlier tonight. This was, as you would expect from those names, a four-way comedy scramble match. Uh, everybody with their own gimmick. Colin Delaney is really the only one that doesn't have a comedy gimmick, and he's just kind of there. Uh, Cabana Man Dan is the master of the flip-flop chop. That should tell you a little bit about the man already. Love it. Uh, man Scout Jake Manning is literally a Boy Scout gimmick. And Dan the Dad is everyone's favorite dad. He literally, and if you have not seen Dan the Dad, I would encourage you to look him up. The man wrestles in tennis shoes, in in New Balance tennis shoes, crew socks, cargo shorts, tight cargo shorts, no less. Um, A t-shirt, glasses, and a cup of coffee. Comes out to carry on our wayward son and is prone to using his belt as a weapon. (laughs) He is Dan the Dad. Oh, my God. I have to give a moment in time to the match because uh, because of Jake Manscout Manning's uh, gimmick, a tent, a fully erected, put together and contained tent was introduced into the ring. All four combatants went into the ring, into the tent. The tent was zipped up, and it looked like a Looney Tunes fight. I love it. <laughs> um, the second honorable mention and I think I may have sent the promo leading up to this, building up to it, was uh, Effie versus Gangrel. (laughs) Same show. Um, If you don't know Effie, God help you to go look him up. He is a deathmatch and CZW veteran who is also very, very flamboyantly gay and is very much using that as his gimmick. And the promo leading up to the match if you're listening to the show, I assume you know who Gangrel is. It is the same Gangrel. He did come out to the same music. Looks a little on the uh, little on the beefier side now, but uh, definitely the same guy. And the promo leading up to it was Effie wanting Gangrel to suck him to turn him into a vampire. Suck Jesus me, Gangrel. Christ. Suck me. Yes. It is absolutely as much. And they played it up through the match. Uh, they kept continuing Effie pleading with him to do it, to turn him into a vampire. Gangrel pulling back and not wanting to do it. Finally, when Gangrel goes to do it, it was all a ruse. Effie rolls him up for a pin. It was beautiful. Uh, and Sounds getting into awesome. the number 10 proper um, from TakeOver, I mentioned earlier, Bauer versus Thatcher. Uh, I have a sweet spot for the that grapple fuck type of match, and Thatcher is one of the best on the planet. Personally, I wish they would call him up to Raw and put him on underground because I want to see Drew Gulak, Thatcher, and Riddle and a new era catch point. Please just give me what I want. Um, number nine, uh, Joey Janela versus a young man named Alex Zane, who is a young up-and-comer that you will be hearing a lot about in the future. He is at the very top end of my someone-to-watch list, so you will not be hearing the last of him here. Um... They had a great match at the uh, GCW show, which was, I believe, uh, <clears throat> GCW, the title was, excuse me, Jimmy Lloyd's Jersey Shore. Um, they fought out on a pier out on in Lake City. Uh, the Beyond Show is out there as well. Zane is a high flyer, a very lanky high flyer. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much, because I do want to get in depth with him later on, but one of these spots in this match, because this is Joey Janela spot fest match involved Zane diving out of the ring through the ropes, through a ladder that was been set up in the ring, taking a chair shot to the back as he topes into nothing and crashes and burns on the wooden boards of the pier. Youch! Yeah, it hurt. It looked like it hurt a lot. Um, number eight, uh, from the black label pro, Uh, Eric Stevens presents professional wrestling show. We have Lee Moriarty versus Josh Alexander. Uh, For those of you who are fans of impact, Josh Alexander is half of the North. Um, I've seen a couple of matches of his live. Now Uh, Lee Moriarty is also a very uh, highly touted up and comer uh, that does black label does a lot of GCW shows as well. Um, Not a mixed martial arts guy, but a, a martial arts guy in his own right. And he and Alexander had a very just good, strong-style match. They beat the living snot out of each other. I loved it. Awesome. Uh, I believe my notes for that match were, holy fucking ow. (laughs) Uh, Mostly just involving a lot of chops, a lot of kicks, and a lot of really stiff shots. Uh, Number seven we already touched on is the uh, five-way ladder match. Gargano, Priest, Dream, uh, Reed, and Grimes. Uh, number f- six, we barely touched on a little bit. Um, I meant to get to it uh, earlier tonight, actually, in the highlight. Uh, the four-way Ironman match uh, from the most recent NXT TV. Uh, we had a four-way Ironman one-hour match involving Champa, Cole, Gargano, and Finn Balor, which was a really, really fun match. First time I've actually seen a multi-man Ironman match. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, it gets dropped way down the rankings because they had a non-finish. They have an hour-long match to crown the vacant NXT champion, and after an hour, we have no winner. We had Finn Balor getting the going up a fall with the coup de gras with less than thirty seconds to go. Adam Cole, Cole almost in botching
1: turning him over.
0: Yeah. Cole almost missed that count. I thought that's what they were going for, actually. I thought he was going to come just a second short and, and crown Bauer. But after a, a week of build and an hour long match, we have tune in next week to see the actual outcome because we're going to have Bauer and Cole leading off on an XTTV next week.
1: The DBZ theme is strong with this show. Uh, no kidding. Next time on NXT.
0: Welcome to DBZ NXT on JIW on JIC. Oh, I got that out without stumbling. goddammit.
1: <laughs> that was good, bro. I'm impressed. Uh, you gave me title. brain scrambles. Just saying. There's it. your
0: there's your show title DBZ NXT on JIW on JIC. <laughs> Whoo! Um, it's a tongue twister. No kidding. Uh, so yeah, drop the drop the match down the list because of the non finish. Uh, I understand why they did it. They're also uh, they're chasing ratings for next week because they're running on Tuesday again unopposed. They need ratings, so they're putting out the best match possible. That's why there's a cage match next week as well. Can't fault them for it, but at the same time, you fault the match for it. Uh, number five, Adam Cole and McAfee. We talked about that. McAfee showed that he is a legitimate, you know, real deal if he wants to pursue it great match great ending Um, love the idea that McAfee lost ostensibly lost the match because he threw his biggest punt into the stairs and then couldn't quite hit the right move on Cole even though he did get a punt on him number four I did want to speak a little bit on uh, I mentioned earlier in the show Ben Carter versus Anthony Henry Uh, Ben Carter has been of late doing a little bit of GCW work Uh, he's also done warrior wrestling uh, out of Chicago uh, I saw him last time at uh, Black Label back in February before the world shut down. Um, he is a former soccer player, young guy that is a great, fiery baby face. Kind of a uh, reminds me a lot of, um, oh, why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? Came back for the Cruiserweight Classic, Brian, uh, not Brian Christopher, god damn it, why can't I think of his name? Um, I don't know. Team with Paul London. God damn it, Brian Kendrick. Brian Kendrick, thank you. Reminds me a lot of Brian Kendrick, actually. Um, and then Anthony Henry, who uh, is a former Evolve uh, tag team champion with JD Drake, uh, former MMA guy. Um, went into the match not expecting much, although I just had recognized both the names. But I actually went back and rewatched this match tonight after having enjoyed it the first time, because I enjoyed it so much. There is a, just a straight-up heel versus face. Anthony Henry plays a great shithead heel, you know, just kind of laughing off the baby face and taking... Like, he comes off as like a bully, straight-up bully the whole way through. And has some really creative uh, work of the leg. Um, he catches... Uh, ben Carter on a dive to the outside at one point picks him up and does a double knee breaker onto an open chair that looks nasty drops him on his knees on the apron gets his ankle twisted up there's some really cool submission holds and in particular, particularly I want to shout out that he cut a he caught, uh, caught Carter in the ropes um, grapevine both of his legs and did a rope hung grapevine double leg dragon screw Whoa. That looked horrible, like it made you cringe. Um, but it ended up being just a really, really solid, really fun face heel story, and hard hitting. Uh, Carter actually got chopped so hard his chest started bleeding.
1: Like God actually damn. drew blood.
0: Actually drew blood. Um, but yeah, hell of a lot of fun. Um, great fire from uh, from from Benjamin Carter on the babyface fire-up. Just a solid match all the way around. Um, Number three I had touched on already was Chris Dickinson Priscilla Kelly. Um, I've never been a huge fan of Priscilla Kelly's matches. She seemed pretty green to me. But, man, she fired up and took Dickinson, took everything he had to give her. He beat her up. She beat him up. She took everything was defiant till the end. It was a great match. Um... Number f- two was the uh, main event of the uh, Eric Stevens Presents Professional Wrestling, the BLP show, was Eric Stevens versus a guy named Calvin Tankman. Um, I've never seen Calvin Tankman before. And I will be watching him very closely in the future uh, because I was blown away by him. Um, I guess he's signed to MLW now. He's actually from Indianapolis, so hometown he, boy for me.
1: He could um, very well become someone to watch.
0: Uh, I will say right now, definitely someone to watch because the first vibe I got from him was Keith Lee. Ooh, and that's not that's that's not something you say about everybody. Dude is uh, he's a super heavyweight, goes about three fifty. Um, I saw him pull off a running shooting star, moon salts, great strong style wrestling. Eric Stevens is no slouch. Eric Stevens was their champion for a reason. He's a very good wrestler. Um. Tankman busted out the fucking uh, Hidden Blade, the uh, Will Ospreay elbows correct at the back of the head. Uh, a couple elevated pile drivers, a gnarly super power bomb. a great pounce. Uh, again, moonsault off the top. a 355-pound man doing a moonsault off the top. Who's that sound like? Fucking awesome. Keith Lee. Hell yeah. Um, but in particular... One of the gnarliest finishers I've seen in a long time. I'm going to try to describe it as best I can. Imagine um, someone getting a straight jacket hold, uh, flipping, uh, holding them over their shoulder like a Rikishi driver with the straight jacket into a jumping pile driver. What the fuck? I will If I can find a clip, I will send it to you. And if I can find a clip, I will uh, retweet it on the on the Twitter feed tonight. It is a gnarly finish. And I believe, I think on MLW, if they're using it there, it's just called the Tankman Driver. But I'm pretty sure the announcer on Black Label called it the Get Fuck Driver. <laughs> which, Damn. yes, very much yes. <laughs> um, and then the number one match this week, and I've alluded to it earlier... I, I can't speak highly enough again. I watched it again tonight in a weekend where I got to watch seven, seven full wrestling cards that included an NXT TakeOver, included a SummerSlam, so a big big four pay-per-view from WWE, a unopposed first-time-ever Saturday Night Dynamite from AEW. All of these shows... And the best thing I saw this weekend was Kylie Ray and Blake Christian. Damn, I need to check this match out. Yes, you do. Um, I've seen many Kylie Ray matches before. I think she's got a great future with uh, with Impact. I think she would have been a great get for AEW. But for the most part, I've always known her as eh. She's not bad in the ring. She's pretty good, good to decent in the ring. She's a good hand. Uh, she's more known for a gimmick than anything else. She's smiling, Kylie Ray. She comes out to the Pokemon music. She's adorkable. But, dude, the story that those two told in this match. And Blake Christian's another guy that I'm really high on. Uh, he and Zayn, Alex Zayn, who I mentioned earlier, were both, uh, both got noticed and both were on the New Japan uh, American show recently. So they're moving up in the world. Um, Christian's a high flyer, a younger guy. And the two of them told an excellent story on an excellent match. Um, it should say something that when the match ended and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say who won when the match ended and Christian had a microphone, a, he told her happy birthday because it was her birthday, but he said something to the effect of, she's not just a female wrestler. I didn't just, I didn't just have a match with a girl. I had a match with a badass." And you could see that Kylie was literally trying not to cry, or was crying. She, uh, like, she was breaking down in the ring after the match because it was emotionally that much of a toll on her, Damn. that intense of a match. Like, I would not be surprised at the end of this year, it's on my top ten for the entire year. Absolutely excellent match, excellent story, great wrestling. Uh, you'll watch it and find some people you might not have seen before. You probably haven't seen Blake Christian before. You'll get a good eyeful of him. Kylie Ray has a bright, bright, bright future. And if this is what she's capable of, you're going to hear a lot more good things about her. So out of all of those matches, everything that I saw that weekend and everything that I've seen since, best match I've seen in a long time. Fuck I, Honestly, I, I would put it. Fine I would put it up as out. the best story I've seen in a match since the Bar- since the uh, Boneyard. Wow, or, uh, or the Firefly Funhouse. Now, granted, that's only a few months back. Granted, that's some slim pickings because of COVID limiting the amount of matches. But pure story. That's the, one of the best in a single match story being told. No build before. No build after. Just Told Between the Ropes. Best story I've seen this year. And I can't say more highly than that. Fuck yeah, man. So, if you have access to the IWTV app, go back and watch it. It was uh, Black Label Pros, We're Back. It was the second doubleheader, second of their doubleheader that night. Um, I'm I'm biased because I'm a Black Label fan. Um, But if you have the app, or if you can find a way to go back and watch it, make sure you do it because it is well worth your time
1: awesome man fuck yeah well buckles i think we've done it we've successfully gotten through all the stuff right i think
0: so we hit right it looks like it right at two hours fuck
1: well i want to apologize to our listeners as we are a day late and a dollar short on this one you're going to be getting this one was by design at some point this one
0: was by design We've had uh, a couple of day late and dollar short where it's, you know, the migraine monster creeping up on us or some, you know, real life taking effect. This one was held off because I wanted to wait until after the four-way match last night. That's, oh, that yeah, was my request. Sure. So if you want to blame anyone, blame me.
1: No, blame NXT for putting on a fucking interesting show. Yeah,
0: blame, blame Karrion Cross's injured shoulder. Blame uh, William Regal for coming up with a good idea for a match and blame four really good wrestlers for having what was a really cool concept for a match that I wanted to see.
1: They and then should have me. found a better finish, and it would have been an amazing match. Yep.
0: And then you can blame me
1: all the same. I don't care. There, there you go. <laughs> oh, fucking awesome. Well, folks, as always, you can check out Journey Into Wrestling on all the different podcasting platforms through the Journey Into Comics Network. Get us on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn, CastBox, iHeartRadio, many others. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. Get us Everywhere you find podcasts, and uh, I, I think, I think that's it, man. I don't think there's anything else to throw at our listeners this week. Don't forget
0: to check us out on uh, JIW on JIC on Twitter. I'm still live tweeting most shows if I can. Uh, also, find us on Facebook.
1: Fuck yeah! Look at this guy doing the plugs better than I can. That's why we have him around. Thanks, Buckles. <laughs> You're the greatest. Well, Not folks. A front, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Wrestling. This has been Journey into Wrestling, Season 4, Episode 25, DBZ NXT on J.I.W. on J.I.C. I've been Nate.
0: I still can't believe I didn't fumble that. It's Buckles.
1: (laughs) And uh, we will see you fine cats next time. Be well. Later.